read from, we're going to read from John chapter 10. If you're in one of the black church Bibles, it's page 896. John chapter 10, and I'll read uh, verses 1 to 21 for us. Jesus is speaking and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, I um, I don't know how familiar you are with shepherding. I'm not particularly, so I, for one, am glad that Jesus was using a metaphor here. Shepherding in the Bible is how God talks about leading and caring for his people, his people whom he calls his sheep. And while there's probably only a few of us in here who know much about sheep, we all know a thing or two about leadership. Whether we have been the leaders or whether we've been the led, I'm sure we all know a bit about what good leadership looks like and what bad leadership looks like. Bad leadership can end in disaster. Think of British home stores and what's happened there recently. That's a fairly recent story that's been in the news where it's clear to see the company was not being led for the good of the employees nor of the shareholders. The guy at the top did okay, essentially asset stripping the company for personal gain. The guy at the top did okay for a while at least. But thousands of ordinary men and women found their jobs and their pensions under threat. Bad leadership can end in disaster. Now, in contrast, good leadership is a wonderfully liberating thing. Good leadership results in the flourishing of the people who are being led. 
And what we've got in this passage we're looking at tonight is a contrast. A contrast between two sorts of leadership. We have the leadership of the good shepherd, which ends in abundant life. And we have the leadership of the bad shepherds, which ends in scattering and destruction. So which sort of leader will we follow? The passage we're looking at splits up pretty easily into three sections. The headings are in the order of service, which you should have received on your way in. So we'll just take the first one first. The good shepherd calls his sheep and they follow Cast your eyes again, please, over verses 1 to 5, and I'll read them again for us. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Well, that might seem a bit puzzling at first, and I'm sure if verses 1 to 5 were all that we have, if that were the end of Jesus' sermon, we might have found it a lot harder to have known what he was on about. Verse 6 tells us the people to whom he was speaking did not understand what he was saying. Perhaps we can sympathize a little bit with that. But I've been told by um, someone on the ministry team that we shouldn't sympathize too much because what Jesus was saying should have made a lot more sense to these people given the context in which he said it. If you were here last week, you'll remember John chapter 9. If you weren't, essentially what happens there is that Jesus heals a man who was born blind. And this whole discussion we have here is, is part of a conversation which began because of that healing Basically what happened, it's it's the Sabbath, Jesus heals a man who is born blind, and the reaction of the Pharisees is not great, to say the least. They say Jesus cannot possibly be from God if he would heal on the Sabbath, and they badly mistreat the healed man because he stands up for Jesus. So what we've got here clearly is a big division between what Jesus was doing in his ministry of healing and teaching and what the Pharisees were doing in their ministry. And at the end of chapter 9, the Pharisees claim to see, but Jesus says they're blind. They have gotten Jesus completely wrong. What they see is a sinner. What they should have seen is the good shepherd calling his sheep to follow In fact, Jesus' use of shepherding language should have flagged up some important Bible ideas in the Pharisees' minds. These people were teachers of the Bible. And so when someone starts talking about shepherding, that should have been flagging at least two things up for them. Firstly, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, speaks about the leaders of Israel as being shepherds. So the great King David was described as a shepherd king. The priests again and again are referred to as shepherds. Shepherds is how the Old Testament speaks about the leaders of God's people. Secondly, what we see in the Old Testament is that 
the shepherd, the one in comparison to whom all the other shepherds are just under shepherds. The shepherd is God. God alone is Israel's true shepherd. So Jesus is saying some provocative things here. Jesus is, is not only accusing the Pharisees for being bad shepherds, more than that, he's also claiming he is the shepherd. Jesus is saying that he is God. Now, if we bring this forward to us, let's try and see what it is that Jesus is saying here. He comes to Israel and he says to them, I am your shepherd, I am your God, follow me. Maybe for us, some, some self-examination might be helpful. How do we view Jesus? What, what do we think of what he came to do and to teach? And about what he said about following him, are we claiming to see when actually we're blind? I want us to keep those questions in mind as we move on to the next section. And we'll look at what kind of a leader is Jesus going to be? What's the difference between following him or following somebody else second point tonight the good shepherd gives abundant life to his sheep this is um, where we're going to spend the bulk of our time tonight the good shepherd gives abundant life to his sheep i wonder what you think of when you hear those words what do you think of when you hear the words abundant life does it sound attractive does it sound like something that you'd want for yourself well as jesus describes it here and more broadly as it's described in john's gospel abundant life is the most wonderful thing that we could ever have abundant life is the life of blessing in god's kingdom it is enjoying an intimate relationship with the god who made us who knows us perfectly and who loves us more than we can imagine. Maybe abundant life is something you've never thought about much before. And if that's the case, let me encourage you to listen carefully to what Jesus has to say about it here. In, in this teaching of Jesus, we have wonderful comfort and assurance for Jesus's sheep. And as well as that, we have a really attractive picture of what a life of following Jesus looks like. So if you're not yet sure about Jesus, listen to what he says about following him. So first of all, on this middle point, Jesus says, whoever enters by him will be saved. Now, Jesus talks about himself a lot in this passage as being a shepherd, but he also says he is the door. He is the way into the sheepfold the way to become a part of God's people. A huge part of what Jesus taught, actually, was about who he was. And he says here is the door. It's by entering through him that we can be saved. I wonder if you notice, Jesus says he's the door. He doesn't say he's our door. He says he is the door. He's the only door. Anyone, anyone at all who hears his voice and follows him can be saved, can become a part of God's people, but it is only and exclusively by entering through him. John's gospel is often quite blunt like that. Whoever enters by him will be saved, and whoever does not, will not. 
that's, that's worth us thinking about. Jesus says, one door here. Now, more than that, he says, whoever enters by the door will go in and out and find pasture. Well, that sounds great, but what does he mean? Might be helpful if we explain the image a little bit. Apparently, in those days, sheep would be kept in pens surrounded by a wall, a bit like, um, a bit like a dry stone dike. And there would be one gate or door into this pen. The shepherd would come along in the morning, open the door, the sheep would go out, they would graze, and in the evening they'd be put back in, and the door would be closed, and they'd be safe at night. So when Jesus talks about going in, going out, finding pasture, he's talking about being looked after now. There's a a tenderness, a closeness, an intimacy about the way that Jesus cares for his sheep. So being being saved, the way that Jesus describes it, is not just like having a a one-way ticket to heaven which you present to God when you die. Being saved also means security now. Going in and going out and finding pasture. A sheep can only do those kind of things if they're secure, if they're being looked after. And that's the kind of security that God's people have right now. Not just when they die, but right now. Now, it's helpful to think, what is that going to look like in the Monday to Friday of life? What might that look like? Well, I think that knowing that God is caring for us will make a big difference to our mindset as we approach life, won't it? It means we can have confidence and assurance, even amidst uncertainty. Whether that be uncertainty at work, challenging family circumstances, difficulties with health, anxieties about money, whatever it might be, we can have confidence and assurance that God has not forgotten us and that God has not abandoned us. We sang earlier, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So does that mean that Christians never desire anything ever again? Well, no. It means I shall never be in want. I shall never be lacking in what I need. God gives me everything that I need today to live in a way that is pleasing to him and to serve him. And having that in mind, we can have assurance in the anxieties of life. We are secure as his sheep. Let's move on. Have a look at verse 10 now, please. The good shepherd says there, he came that his sheep might have life. And have it abundantly. Jesus came to give his followers abundant life. Now, we're probably tempted to mishear this, but please don't. Jesus isn't saying he came to give his followers an easy life. If we remember chapter 9, that that was an example. The healed blind man was a sheep who heard the shepherd's voice and who followed. And immediately, he was mistreated by the Pharisees. So Jesus is not saying he came to give us an easy life. Don't mishear this. But we do need to hear what he's saying. He said he came to give us abundant life, the life which God wants for his people, the life lived under God's blessing, in part now in its fullness in the new creation. Jesus came to give us that, and that is a a wonderful gift, is it not? Probably all of us in here will have had times, or perhaps presently are in times, when life, life doesn't feel abundant. Maybe that's where you are right now. I'm sure we all know seasons when things are just plain difficult. So what 
do Jesus' words here have to say to the struggling or discouraged Christian? Well, let's let's meditate a bit on verse 10 and notice at least two things here with me. First of all, there's a contrast here. The abundant life which Jesus brings is in contrast to what the bad shepherds bring, which is destruction. The Christian life might not always feel abundant, but compared to the alternative, which leads to destruction, it really is. Now, there's a better point here. The second one, and this one really is important. The promise isn't that all things will be fixed and made abundant immediately. The Bible has lots and lots to say to Christians about persevering. The world we live in now, the difficult circumstances that we go through now, they're not perfect. The world is broken. But this isn't the end point. The end point is abundant life. We have a promise here from Jesus that we can cling on to. Sometimes life will be going better. Sometimes it'll be easy to see and to feel the blessings of life with God. And sometimes life will be harder. But that doesn't make the promises of Jesus any less true. Abundant life is where we're heading if we follow Jesus. It begins now, it really does begin now, but it's not experienced in its fullness until we go to be with Jesus forever. And we will get there, Jesus promised. So hang in for now. Well, the next thing Jesus tells us, you'll see this is in verses 11 and 15. The next thing he tells us, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How does that make, a, make him a good shepherd, you might ask? What protection can a dead shepherd offer to the sheep? What comfort is a corpse? Well, the point here is Jesus is saying that such is his love, the love that he has for his sheep, such is that love that he will stop at nothing to give them what they need. He will even go as far as to die for them, to give up his life for them. And you'll know if you've ever read to the end of a gospel before, that's exactly what Jesus did. He came to earth to lay down his life for the sheep. Why? Because they needed it. Because we needed it. The Bible tells us that the the default position for us as sheep is to wander away from God. By nature, we are like sheep that have gone astray. And sheep who wander far away from God are in danger. The thing that keeps us far from God is our sin. And if we were left to our own devices, it would keep us far from God forever. And so Jesus, the good shepherd, offers up himself. He gave his life to take the punishment for sin, which should rightly have been ours. And because he's done that, because the judgment due to us has been poured out on him, we can go free. The wandering sheep that were far off from God can be brought near because the good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep. So if you are, if you are one of Christ's sheep, give thanks again for what he's done for you. He had a choice, he tells us here. Nobody took his life from him and he chose in love 
to give up his life for the sheep, for you and for me. Or how about if you're not yet sure about Jesus, take a look at what it is that he offers here. Security, safety, abundant life, self-sacrificing love. That is what Jesus offers to his sheep. Well, fourth, let's look at verse 14, please. The good shepherd knows his sheep and they know him. That may not sound like much at first, but if you think about it, it really is huge. Jesus knows the sheep and they know him. How? Well, verse 15 says that they know each other just as the Father knows Jesus and Jesus knows the Father. So we ask, how does Jesus know the Father? And the answer is, Jesus, God the Son, knows the Father perfectly and intimately. Jesus and the Father, along with the Holy Spirit, have lived in perfect and intimate communion for all of eternity. There never was a time when they did not know one another, and they have coexisted in an eternal relationship of love, which is before all created things. And what Jesus is saying here is that he knows his people, he knows every one of his sheep, just as the Father knows him, and he knows the Father. What a comfort that is to a sheep that's in trouble or in pain to know that the shepherd who looks after them knows exactly what is going on and knows exactly what to do. He knows us perfectly in the storms of life. He knows us perfectly. When we don't understand what is going on or why, he knows us perfectly. The good shepherd knows his sheep Well, fifth and finally on this middle point, just in case you thought some of this might have been sounding a bit too exclusive, fifth and finally, the good shepherd tells us that he has other sheep. Other sheep whom he will call and who will listen to his voice. Other sheep who Jesus tells us here must be brought in. The flock will not be complete without these other sheep. Being one of Jesus' sheep is the most blessed and joyful situation that any person could ever be in. And Jesus says entrance to that group is open. Other sheep can come and have abundant life, can become a part of God's specially loved and specially blessed people. Any old sheep? Well, yes. And also, no, but let me explain that. Yes, in that it's open to all, anyone at all can come. But no, because it is the sheep who, look at verse 16 again, it is the sheep who listen to his voice. They will enjoy abundant life. That's what Jesus says here. So have you listened to his voice? Will you listen to his voice? The good shepherd gives abundant life to his sheep. That's a promise from Jesus which we can cling on to. And it is an invitation to all to come and receive what he alone is able to give. Well, last point tonight then. The good shepherd provokes a response. The good shepherd provokes a response. You might have noticed Jesus paints a very stark contrast here in the passage. It isn't all about the good shepherd. There's actually quite a lot about bad shepherds too. What does he tell us about the bad shepherds here? 
Well, he likens them to thieves and robbers to whom the sheep will not listen. He tells us that while he has come to bring abundant life, the bad shepherds come only to steal, to kill, to destroy. Verses 12 and 13, while the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep out of love for them, the bad shepherds will flee. They will run away at the first sign of danger. Why? Because they don't care. They don't care for the sheep. They'll allow them to be scattered. They won't protect them at all. So it's worth us asking, why Why is there such a stark contrast here? On the one hand, we have love to the point of dying, abundant life, intimate relationship. On the other hand, stealing, killing, destruction, scattering. Why such a stark contrast? Well, it's because with Jesus, it's an either or. Either we follow the good shepherd or we will inevitably follow bad shepherds. And Jesus makes it very clear for us here what the end results of those two choices will be. The good shepherd provokes a response. Some of you here tonight, I don't know personally, probably many of you I don't know all that well, and so I don't know who or what you are functionally trusting in. Whether it's an individual, a group of people, an institution, I I don't know. But what I do know, because Jesus tells us, is that ultimately it's only him who can give us the sort of leadership that we really need. It is only the good shepherd who can give us abundant life. Well, how can we avoid following bad shepherds in ordinary life? How can we make sure that we're not taken in by them? Bad shepherds are subtle. There would be no risk at all of us being taken in by them if they were always obvious. So we need to keep a lookout. Mainly, Jesus here is talking about those who we would look to for spiritual leadership. Perhaps we tend to think bad shepherds are out there. They're, they're far away. They're something that we would never be taken in by. Bad shepherds are obviously awful people. We'd spot them from a mile off and we'd go the other way. But let's be careful. We're not as far away as we might like to think. Imagine you're in a conversation with a colleague or a friend and some hot topic comes up. Some issue where you know that the views of society at large and the views of Jesus differ. Your friend asks for your opinion. What do you say? Do you tell them what Jesus has to say about the matter? Or do you find yourself leaning towards an easier gospel? One which is less costly. The kind of gospel that might get preached in the sorts of places by the sorts of people we think we'd never be taken in by. Probably we don't sign up wholeheartedly to the false teachings and easy gospels of the bad shepherds of today. But when real life comes upon us, when we face difficult circumstances because we're a Christian, it is ever so tempting to just go with the flow. It is ever so easy to just, functionally speaking at least, follow the bad shepherds. 
another situation. Imagine you were ever moving away from Edinburgh in the future. Some of you might be moving away. July and August, we get a lot of new people and a lot of people move on. But if you were to move away from Edinburgh, how would you go about picking your new church? Now, again, I suspect most of us would not be at all taken in by teaching, which is plainly miles off the mark and far away from what Jesus teaches. But it's very easy to be taken in by a gospel which is less than the true gospel. A gospel which is a bit light on repentance and heavy on God has a wonderful plan for your life is a lot easier to take. A gospel which is so big on grace that it has almost nothing to say about sanctification, about Christians becoming more and more holy like the Lord Jesus. That kind of a gospel is a lot easier to get on board with. So let's be aware, who are we listening to for spiritual leadership and how does what they say match up with what our true shepherd, the Lord Jesus, has to say? Trusting in bad shepherds is trusting in someone who we think will give us what we really need, but who ultimately will end up only taking away. It's Jesus who is our true shepherd Now, we see at the end of this passage different responses to Jesus, verses 19 to 21. I'll read them again for us. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Well, they all heard the same words of Jesus. They all got the same teaching. They all had the same opportunity, but as ever with Jesus, there are two very different responses. Two sorts of shepherds, two sorts of responses to Jesus. One thing the Bible makes absolutely clear, we cannot do with the Lord Jesus in the end, is we cannot sit on the fence. So let me encourage you again tonight, especially if you've never done it before, why not trust in Jesus, the good shepherd? John wrote this book so that people would have eternal life. John's gospel is preached so that people can have the opportunity to believe and get eternal life. So why not take Jesus at his word? Why not listen to his voice and follow him, enter by the door and be saved? In plain English, that simply means if you're not yet a convinced Christian or maybe not sure, you need to come and ask Jesus. Talk to him. You can do that in prayer. You could do it today. Tell him you're sorry for wandering off. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to be the shepherd in your life and to lead you in following him. Following the good shepherd in ordinary life looks like listening to him. Now, if you're here tonight and you're already a a Christian, be reminded again of all that you have in Christ. Let your heart be warmed by all that Jesus has to say here. Abundant life is yours in him. Whatever situation your life is in at the moment, he knows and he cares. He loves you perfectly. He loved you enough to die for you and he will keep you secure for all of eternity. If you're wavering 
struggling in your walk with Jesus, if something or someone else is looking more and more enticing, more attractive than the Lord Jesus, remember it's him alone who is the good shepherd. It is him that we must follow. He knows us best. He loves us best. Well, there we are. Christ is the good shepherd. He saves, he leads, he cares for his sheep. He opens the door wide open so that others can come in as well and enjoy abundant life too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are our good shepherd. Thank you that you call your own and they follow you. Thank you that you love your sheep enough to give up your life for them. You know us perfectly. You know us intimately and you know everything about us. Thank you that your ways are always the best ways to lead us and that your kingdom is open to others too. We praise you for who you are. Amen.